Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We have uh, in the studio today my co-host, Doug Wortham, and we're going to meet the newest chaplain in the Minnesota National Guard and learn about employment opportunities at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. November is a month of the military family, a time for us to recognize and celebrate military families for everything they do. Military families know what it means to sacrifice. They stand by and support us through drill weekends, annual training, and long deployments. We are able to conduct missions with the highest level of professionalism because of their love and commitment to us. Our families truly understand what it means to serve this nation. To support military families during the month of the military family and beyond, visit Beyond the Yellow Ribbon online. Finally, to Minnesota's military families, on behalf of the soldiers and airmen of the Minnesota National Guard, thank you. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. So I said at the opening, my co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. He's the uh, retired state command sergeant major, I think referred to as a senior enlisted leader at the time he left. But, Doug, we've got a great show today. We're going to talk about employment opportunities over at the MDVA, but before that, my favorite part of the, of the military is always the chaplain's corps, and, and we're going we're gonna to learn about a new member of the chaplain's corps, and I'm sure you enjoyed them in your time in service as well. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. And, you know, we were talking about it just before we started the program here, and, you know, especially in a leadership position and in myself as a senior enlisted leader, uh, one of my main responsibilities is, of course, health, morale, welfare of our soldiers, our airmen, of our service members, and the chaplain corps is that combat multiplier to really help us dig into the welfare of our service members. So really relied on them a lot and a, a great trusted core uh, of people to have uh, with you and on your side. And we've got a couple of special guests in the studio today. And first one on introduced is Chaplain Colonel Buddy Wynn. Chaplain Wynn, welcome back to the studio. It's always good to have you here, sir. Tom, it's always great to be here to be among friends with you and, and my very good friend Doug. He and I worked together in uniform when he was a senior list leader. I was the state chaplain. And uh, we spent a lot of time together, uh, you know, going out, seeing our soldiers and our airmen, and just uh, learning more about their challenges and how we can provide them support. Sir, as leader of the Chaplain's Corps for the Minnesota National Guard, can you explain to our listeners what's the composition of that and how many folks are there? And it's a big job. You've got 12,000 soldiers and 2,000 airmen to take care of and their families. And their families. It is a big job, but we have highly qualified, school-trained, board-certified, card-carrying members of the chaplaincy. These are men and women who come from diverse religious backgrounds. And we're here to ensure that our soldiers and airmen and their families have the opportunity to engage in their religious practices. Uh, This is protected by the First Amendment. What an incredible privilege we have. Uh, And the Department of Defense in our nation places a large and strong value on the rights of those service members to observe the tenets of their faith and belief system, or they can also observe no religion or or spiritual practices at all. That's up to them. However, we're here for all of them. And in a a growing... uh, diversity within our organization that's simply a reflection of our state, it's important that we have a growing diversity of religious leaders as well. Uh, so that I think that in a nutshell describes the chaplaincy, but when it comes to the importance of the chaplaincy, the science of spirituality has taught us that service members who have a very strong developed spiritual core that's shared in community with others uh, are really able to develop those qualities to sustain them in times of stress and hardship and tragedy. And the mere fact that we wear the uniform means we're going to endure 
stress, hardship, and tragedy. And it's those best commanders that understand those principles as well and empower their chaplains to get out, to be with the soldiers. You know, we're more than just sanctified Tootsie Roll hander outers. Really, like Sergeant Major Wortham said, Doug, my friend, uh, you know, we're there to be combat multipliers and really to be an impact player for the commander and the members of their organization. And Chaplain Wynn, you have in the studio with you today the newest member of the Chaplain's Corps for the Minnesota National Guard, and, and it adds some diversity, some uh, an additional resource. Would you like to introduce him? I'd love to. Uh, Chaplain uh, Captain Ricky Camel is the first rabbi, the Jewish rabbi, ever to serve in the Minnesota National Guard chaplaincy. Uh, you know, we do a lot of recruiting. We try to do a lot of targeted recruiting within our networks and our faith communities. And I got a cold call out of the blue from a rabbi down in Illinois who said he was making his way up to Minnesota and was interested in learning more about the chaplaincy. What a gift that came to us. Uh, you know, uh, our Jewish population isn't one of the larger religious groups in the state. Uh, but again, it's, it's our attempt at uh, diversifying uh, the available resources for our service members. So when, when Ricky called up, I said, you know, uh, Rabbi, I really hope this is isn't a matter of if, but it's when we can uh, help you to become an, a member of our organization to become a, a chaplain in the Minnesota Army National Guard. So it is a great honor to introduce uh, Rabbi Ricky Camel. I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about himself and his background and what led him to be a part of the chaplaincy. But with that, I'd like to welcome you, uh, Chaplain Ricky Camel. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, and just to say, you know, whether I'm the, the first or the thousandth, whatever it is, I'm just honored and humbled to serve and very excited to be here. Chaplain Camel, glad to meet you today. I'm glad you're in the studio. Can you give us a little background on your life and and, and uh, how you became a rabbi and, and how you arrived at the thought that you might want to uh, help our military? Of course. So uh, I grew up in uh, in Michigan, outside of Detroit, uh, and I was uh, my family was the only Jewish family in the elementary school where we grew up. And I became, although I didn't really know anything, but became the authority on any Jewish topic. And it was something that I really enjoyed. Being able to teach that to others was something that I really loved. And then around uh, around the time that I was going to have my bar mitzvah at about 13 years old, uh, I really started to see the rabbi's role in a community as something that I aspired to be. Uh, they were involved in ways of... Uh, making uh, our communities better, and really being there with people at good times and at bad times. So in school, uh, in, um, uh, in, in college, I, I, you know, I, I was able to, to major in a kind of religious studies and philosophy major with a minor in Jewish studies, always knowing that I wanted to go to rabbinical school, which I was very happy to do at uh, Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. Uh, I was in a congregation for five years in the Chicago area, which I loved, uh, but uh, I had this I had this want of really wanting to become a military chaplain. It was something that that existed even uh, when I was in rabbinical school as well, and so happy that I'm able to do that here in Minnesota. So, uh, Chaplain Camel, as a rabbi, do do you have a congregation? Where do you where do you serve as a civilian? Oh, so I uh, so I do uh, I work at an organization called Beacon Interfaith Housing Collaborative as a congregational organizer building more uh, affordable housing in our communities, as well as working on uh, justice areas at Temple Israel uh, in Minneapolis uh, in organizing, uh, organizing the group to make our communities better as well. Well, Chaplain Camel, we're thrilled that you're, you're adding your talents to the Chaplain's Corps of the Minnesota National Guard. But uh, to, to become a chaplain, is there a challenge for you knowing that uh, those 12,000 soldiers and 2,000 airmen Come from all kinds of uh, denominations and all kinds of backgrounds, and if they want, if they need help and want a chaplain, you're the closest one. They're coming to you. Oh, uh, so uh, that is always a challenge of making sure that I can be of service. As I, as I like to say, serve those who serve. Uh, being uh, being the 
clergy member of a tradition that is a low-density uh, faith community. Uh, but it's, I think, something that I've been so impressed in the Minnesota National Guard Chaplain Corps uh, to see how everybody, all of our chaplains and all the chaplains that I've worked with in different, in different areas of life as well, know that whoever it is that we're serving, we're going to be able to bring something and always uh, do our best to make sure that we're offering that spiritual care that is so needed. So, oh, so is this a, a really new experience to you, or does this kind of go back to high school where, where people are curious and, and now you're explaining <laughs> and you're helping all kinds of folks? So it is something that goes all the way back uh, in uh, – uh, goes back to high school, goes back to uh, rabbinical school, where I also was uh, got a unit in my clinical pastoral education, working in a community where there were um, where most of the people that I were that I was uh, visiting were not uh, in a hospital, were not uh, were not Jewish, but still being able to offer that spiritual care. And uh, so, no matter uh, you know the soldier, or airman, whoever they might be, uh, I'm hoping and, and 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 working towards to always be able to be there, offering that spiritual care and guidance in whatever way that might look like. Chaplain, I'm sure there's a lot of curiosity on behalf of the of the soldiers and the and the airmen, the, who maybe aren't Jewish, and and they see that you're part of the corps. Are they are do they come up to you readily and ask questions? It's it's something that I enjoy the most. As I mentioned, that was the reason why I wanted to become a rabbi in the first place. So any question that you have, I'm always happy to have an answer, most likely several answers, uh, and uh, and always happy to uh, to to be able to talk and uh, and teach uh, if if that's something that people are interested. But also always knowing that whatever the issue that a soldier airman might be facing, that I can be able to be there and offer that spiritual guidance. And also I think something uh, that all chaplains know here is who else can help in situations where I might not be able to. Uh, so well, It's no... all about resources. Exactly. Gentlemen, we have to take a short break. This is Minnesota Military Radio. We'll be back in a moment talking about the Chaplain's Corps of the Minnesota National Guard. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham, and we're talking about the Chaplain's Corps of the Minnesota National Guard. And Doug, I want to talk to you about your experience on deployments. You've deployed a number of times over to uh, recently a lot of Kuwait and Iraq and those kind of things. But how important is it when you have a large group of soldiers, you're deployed, you're out in the middle of the the desert, to have chaplains available to minister to your soldiers so that they're ready to do their mission? You know, that's a great question, Tom. And like I had mentioned, uh, you know, kind of at the opening, you know, we're responsible for the welfare, the morale of our soldiers, our airmen, our service members, and to have that combat multiplier available to us, because just as the chaplain can't be everywhere, neither can I, but together we can cover more ground when we go out, divide and conquer, so to speak. And so understanding that we have got to have our service members mentally in the game to accomplish the mission, knowing there's a strong, solid chaplain out there helping us to do that is extremely important and very valuable. And Chaplain Owen, I think the last time you were deployed, we talked about this, but for uh, people of Jewish faith, for, for instance, when you're over there in Kuwait, there's a, there's a large area of land, and I think you told me that uh, occasionally you've been able to reach out and find a rabbi and have them come over and, and minister to to the Jewish soldiers, soldiers that you have. That's pretty important, too. Very important. And the Army Enterprise, you know, knows these uh, significant religious holidays on the calendar and do their best uh, to bring those uh, unique uh, religious resources to bear for a, a, a lower 
uh, density population of men and women who practice a certain faith. Uh, I remember being in, in Kuwait in 2011 and 12, Tom, when you came and visited, uh, there wasn't a rabbi available for High Holy Days, but there was a distinct religious group leader that was credentialed and approved by the command for a select period of time uh, to provide for the needs of our Jewish personnel, as one example. As another example, uh, during Ramadan 2018-2019 in, in the Middle East, we had a, 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 an imam uh, army a colonel who happens to be a good friend of the Minnesota National Guard, Chaplain Shabazz, he came to the Middle East and he led a, a group of soldiers that we had sent, gosh, a couple dozen of our personnel uh, into the Grand Mosque in Kuwait City to share a meal and to, you know, uh, engage in that observance. And it just does so much for the soul of an individual, it's so meaningful. And soldiers will often come back to you later on and say, Chaplain, I haven't forgotten, you know, the fact that you looked out for me when I was. Uh, you know, in need, or you gave me a benefit or a resource that I didn't even know was available to me. I never went to the Middle East thinking as a uh, Islamic soldier that I would be able to go to the Grand Mosque. Thanks for making that happen. That's what we do for all of our soldiers. That's good follow up. Well, I want to come back to to the rabbi because you know th- this is about you. We want to hear about your background and your experiences. But one thing is just kind of going through my mind here. I joined the military at 17 years of age not knowing what I was getting into, per se. You joined a few years senior to what I was, uh, 20 years about, knowing really more about what you were getting into, especially with the climate and all of the deployments that have been happening. So I'm just wondering to that point, what was really the, the driving thing? You talked about wanting to serve in the military before. However, at age 37, still coming in to be a rabbi, you knew what you're getting into, and you still did it. So how does that make you feel? Oh, so, so I mean, it is, it is something that, of course, that my family, and very thankful for, uh, my wife and I have a, a young son as well, uh, in being able to, to kind of take, uh, to, to, um, to discuss, you know, this, you know, this possibility that that might happen. Uh, and uh, one thing that is, that is really wonderful about our, the Twin Cities is that uh, this is where my wife's family is from, so there is a lot of good familial support, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah, it is a possibility and knowing that that is, you know, a place where there is a lot of uh, spiritual support that is needed. Uh, and, uh, and something that I can understand is, uh, you know, that, that is a place where that, uh, as, as, as you've been here, uh, uh, as I have been hearing, uh, you know, a chaplain is, um, is really needed in that, in that space. And I just want to say thank you because in my 32 years uh, of service, I think I met one rabbi in that entire time. And to have that resource, especially here in the Minnesota Guard now, is just a great asset. So thank you for stepping up and saying, hey, you know what, I want to do this. Even though there's many other things you could have done, you you came back to that dream that you had before and said, I'm going to raise my hand and take an oath. Thank you. And and when we bring chaplains in, uh, as Chaplain Campbell will tell you, as, as the rabbi would say, we make it very clear. We don't say it for shock factor, but in fact, you know, we're duty bound to shoot absolutely straight and be honest to say that. Uh, if you become a member of the chaplaincy, then it's likely, just given the circumstances of our world, uh, the world we're living in, the the near peer threat that exists, you know, the the competition that exists uh, with China and other nations, you're probably going to be asked at some point in your career to leave everything that's important and meaningful to you, your family, your faith community, your friends, your comforts, and you're going to be be deployed to an austere environment where you're going to be asked to be the pillar of religious. Uh, care and support for anywhere from 600 to 1,200 soldiers 
at the battalion level, the lowest you know echelon where a chaplain would serve. And chances are very good that you'll make it home, but we also have to embrace the reality that you might not and some of your soldiers might not. And and really, it's kind of the the it's a tough way to offer a job to someone, <laughs> uh, but we don't want them to to have any doubts about what they're being asked to do. And the great majority of their careers, that's not going to be the case. But we have to be prepared for when it is. So, Rabbi, what unit are you assigned to now? And then, how has that experience been in your short time as a rabbi inside the Minnesota National Guard? Uh, so, I, I am assigned to the eight thirty fourth ASB. Um, and it has been wonderful so far. It's, so that's uh, the Aviation Support Battalion. Yes, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yes, the Aviation Support Battalion. Uh, it uh, has been really a wonderful unit to be assigned. Everyone there has been really great. Um, uh, it's it's I, you know, I, I'm new not just to the to the chaplain corps, but also new to the military. Uh, so uh, there's a lot to learn. Uh, and uh, everyone has been really wonderful in, in getting me up to speed and in, in knowing what um, that telling me what I need to know so that I can be the best support for the soldiers in that unit. I'm guessing that fire hose is wide open. It is definitely <laughs> wide open. <laughs> chaplain Camel, we've talked about the fact that uh, the Chaplain's Corps as a, as a group ministers to all the soldiers and, and airmen. But uh, just as Chaplain Wynn said when they brought in the imam, when you're available and if you are in a deployment like that, uh, for the Jewish members of the, of, uh, the military that are deployed, uh, you can make them feel more at home by uh, leading a Passover cedar or welcome in the new year at Rosh Hashanah or maybe mourn the, the loss of a loved one while they're deployed. That's got to bring those soldiers a feeling of home and, and make them feel more comfortable. Uh, I'm sure you're aware that, that that brings resources to the Chaplain's Corps that they didn't have before now. And I want to echo what Doug says. Congratulations on taking on this uh, this mission and and uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to all of those relationships. Very much looking forward to those relationships and uh, yeah, as I said before, whether the first or the thousands, just honored and humbled to be serving. And you know, Tom, the the need for chaplains is not uh, lessening. If anybody's hearing this and and feeling any kind of a draw or calling or wants more information about the chaplaincy, they can certainly find us at minnesotanationalguard.org. You can Google Chaplain Buddy Wynn and find me, and uh, I'll be happy to have that conversation. We're looking to be uh, much more diverse to meet the needs of our uh, growing diverse population within the Minnesota National Guard. That's, uh, uh, you know, we'd love to have a Buddhist chaplain. We'd love to have an imam. We'd love to have a chaplain from the Hispanic community uh, because these are growing populations within our organization. So and if you can't find Chaplain Wynn, go to Minnesota Military Radio, hit contact us, get me a message, and I'll get it to Chaplain Wynn. Chaplain Camel, just follow up. You've only been in for a short time. Is it, it was a good decision? I think so, yes. <laughs> You're looking forward to all the adventures? Very much so. So for what Chaplain Wynn just had to say when he's looking for other chaplains to join, you'd recommend it? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I think this is – if it's something that is of interest to you, it's, you always have to ask yourself that question if this is something that you want. Uh, but from my experience, this is something that I am very much looking forward to. Yeah, and it sounds like you had adequate discussions with Chaplain Wynn. You knew what you were getting into. Your eyes were wide open. Mm-hmm. I have to ask, though, was it a hard sell at all to your family? Uh, so they uh, so they knew that this was an interest that that I've had for a while, uh, and actually there was um, even some talk of uh, Navy chaplaincy when I was in rabbinical school. But uh, we thought this would actually be a really wonderful compromise of not being uh, on active duty, but in the Minnesota Army National Guard while being here, knowing that this is where really our family support system is. 
Chaplain Camel, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming to the studio today. And Chaplain Wynn, we've got 30 seconds left in their gears. Well, uh, until we meet again, Tom, thank you so much for the chance to come on. And, you know, we say spread the good news, but uh, the Minnesota National Guard is one of the best-kept secrets uh, in our state. Uh, you know, there there are benefits that exist far beyond medical or educational benefits. It's the chance to serve your community. The National Guard is so unique in that, yes, the Army is there to fight and win our nation's wars, but when that's not happening, we're here to support our communities to serve in our hometown, and what an incredible honor. Thank you, sir. That was Chaplain Colonel Buddy Wynn and the newest chaplain in the Minnesota National Guard Chaplain Corps, Chaplain Captain uh, Ricky Camel, who is a uh, rabbi, and uh, please stay with us. This is Minnesota Military Radio. When we come back, we're going to talk about employment opportunities at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. And in a a moment, we're going to talk about employment opportunities at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. Over the last few months, I have traveled many miles while visiting the facilities and staff that make the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs the successful organization that it is. During these visits, I have met hundreds of our team members, and I am humbled by the work that they do each and every day. I relay to you that I have been very pleased with the attitude and professionalism that I have witnessed at both the veterans' homes and programs and service staff. I continue to get unsolicited positive feedback in regards to the way our staff engages with veterans throughout Minnesota. I am so proud of the work they do for our nation's heroes. It is an extraordinary honor for me to represent the veterans here in Minnesota. I assure you that we will be 100% dedicated to our mission of serving Minnesota veterans and their families. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Doug, uh, when you were in the military as the senior enlisted leader, you were taking care of our service members. uh, But when they retire and they become veterans, it's the duty of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs to show them all the programs and and all of the resources available to take care of their needs and, and whatever issues they might have had from related to their military service. Yeah, it is, and it uh, it's it's quite the task to be able to do that to get that message out. And uh, as a result of that, of course, we have the MDVA, and uh, they require a not a, a substantial workforce, but a decent sized workforce to make sure that messaging gets out. and And that's why it's great to have our guest, our next guest here in the studio with us, to talk a little bit about what the MDVA has to offer, but more importantly, what career opportunities might be available. Um, for even some of our veterans that are are out there looking for some employment at this time. And we've got the perfect person because we have the Human Resources Director from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, Valerie Klitsky, with us today. Valerie, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you. Excited to be here. I understood you served in the Army National Guard, probably knew my co-host when you were in there. Yeah, absolutely. I was in the Guard for about seven years. Um, I got out as a captain. Uh, my last position, I was uh, in the 194 CAF as a Delta Company commander for the Ford Support Company there. Well, thanks for your service. And I understand after that, you spent some time with the federal VA. Correct. I was with the federal VA. My last position with the VA was at the Minneapolis VA and the healthcare system there. I was the Equal Employment Opportunity Manager. Working for Director Pat Kelly. Absolutely, yes. It was a great, great role. It's a great um, place to work. Um, And it was wonderful being a veteran, being able to serve veterans in that capacity. And how did you get to the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs? 
they actually had an opportunity with the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion director opening, and I had applied for it, got the position. So I was in that role for a couple of years, and then my position opened. Um, one of the wonderful things about MDBA is there's a lot of opportunities to grow, and um, you know I think I'm a product of that. You know, I've observed over the last 12 years that there's a lot of uh, Army National Guard, Air National Guard uh, veterans, military members from here in Minnesota that have joined the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. And, of course, uh, Commissioner Herkey was with the Minnesota National Guard for 30 years, and, and uh, General uh, Shalito was there before him. And it seems like a lot of our retired military here in Minnesota kind of gravitate over there. Do you have veterans' preference in that department? We do. We have a non-competitive um, hiring for our veterans' preference, we also have our recently separated veterans. I always encourage whenever we have a veteran that is interested in a position to connect with the human resources point of contact that's listed on the job opening um, and let them know that they are a veteran and potentially if they have um, what what preference they might have. In the job openings, where do we find those? If you look on the Minnesota Careers website, so if you just do a simple Google Google search for um, Minnesota Careers, State of Minnesota, it will get you to the website, and you always want to search by Veterans Affairs. So if you're on that Minnesota Careers site, look up for Veterans Affairs positions, and you'll get our wide variety of career opportunities. So the website is careers.mn.gov, and then, like you said, go there through filter and get to the MDVA I do want to ask you this question. Just you had mentioned about veterans serving veterans. That's what you did yes. uh, over at the Minneapolis VA now in the MDVA. Do you find that that's kind of the common response of those that come into work at the MDVA who happen to have been uh, service members previously? That the reason why they want to come to your agency is because they have that opportunity to continue to serve and stay connected to the service members. Absolutely. I see that a lot with people that are applying for our positions. I think that lived experience is really important. I think it gives you that passion for our careers. Um, We're a fast-paced organization. We're really innovative. So I think having um, having that background where you get to be around your people, right? Um, It's exciting every day to be able to continue serving. And I find that some of our uh, staff that might not be veterans, they still have that same passion. They might have a family member, a friend that's a veteran. Um, so they're also just as interested in that mission. We're speaking with Valerie Klitsky, who's the Human Resources Director at the MDVA and Minnesota Military Radio. Now, Valerie, there's there's things changing. We came off a pandemic. Everybody's looking for employees. That's been multiplied by for you because there's several new homes coming on on market that are under construction and there's a new cemetery what did that do for you as the hr director are you swamped (laughs) it presented a really good challenge and a really good opportunity we have three new homes like you said tom we've got one in bemidji one in montevideo and one in preston and then we also have a new cemetery in redwood falls um all coming soon wide variety of positions just our new roles um alone we're looking at over 400 positions. And you've got some openings over, over at the Capitol as well. We have openings at, in St. Paul, in Minneapolis, and at all of our outstate homes currently as well. 
So if you if you do a plug for the website again, but we currently have a lot of vacancies. We're um, no different than most employers right now. And we have a lot of really good opportunities with good career ladders and growth. And so 400 uh, positions, obviously you can't go through on this show and list them all. Um, but one, the benefit is, is that if you are um, applying for it and you're selected, you become a state employee, correct? correct. So, you know, there's a whole uh, slew of benefits that come along with being a state employee. Um, do you know, I mean, like, what is the, the main thing you're really looking for right now, though? I mean, if there was one absolute need, is there something that you can pinpoint or is it just too wide of a variety? It's a wide range. I would say our biggest challenge is probably going to be our healthcare positions. We have our... Um, most industries call them CNAs, so certified nursing assistants. We call them human um, services technicians, so HSTs is the acronym. That's what you see on the job posting. Those positions are traditionally our hardest to fill, but we're going to have um, a little bit of everything. We will have human resources positions. I'm going to be hiring for my own team to finance, to groundskeeping, um, janitorial services, food service positions, nursing, you name it, will be, we're going to be hiring for a wide variety. So Valerie, you presently have five homes, plus you've got the MDVA over at the Capitol, and then you're adding three new homes and a cemetery, and there's three other cemeteries. You probably have positions open all over the state. We do. We have positions all over the state. And these opportunities that we're currently adding to are going to be great for outstate Minnesota. There's, they're going to be really solid, good careers um, wonderful pension and benefits that we have at the state of Minnesota. And I hope that people, even if they aren't located in those outstate communities, really give it some thought because there's going to be some really great opportunities there. Now, these are brand new homes that are under construction in Bemidji, Montevideo, and Preston. And I understand from the from the groundbreaking ceremonies that the people in each of those towns are pretty darn excited about those new facilities. We have so much support from the community. It's amazing. Um the the veterans members, the community councils, it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement and a lot of passion behind it. So this is a chance to be part of those teams from the day they open and, and take care of the veterans in your area. Exactly. And really add to the already great culture you have inside of the MDVA. Be a part of that. Exactly. Well, you've got a lot of work to do. I hope we find some HR people to add to your team right away because you've got a lot of people to uh, to hire and help uh, Doug, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about employment opportunities at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Appreciate you being with us today. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Tom and uh, Valerie. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll talk a little bit more. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to the Human Resources Director at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, Valerie Klitsky, and she is a seven-year veteran of the Minnesota Army National Guard, retired or got out at the rank of captain. Uh, born and raised here in Minnesota, and uh, I think she's got the job, job she likes. But the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs is very busy. You need people, and I understand you need some people in your department. You need some HR people, too. I do. I do, Tom. I need um, – what we have is we have business partners that are out at the homes. So we're going to have HR specialist positions out at the homes that are those business partners, and then we'll also have human resources technicians out at the homes as well. So really great careers in outstate Minnesota that will be on my team. So we're talking about those new homes in Bemidji, Montevideo, and Preston, but you've got five other homes that probably need some people too. We do, absolutely. 
we currently have quite a few different openings throughout the state of Minnesota. Our largest um, facility is here in Minneapolis, but uh, we have openings in Silver Bay, in Laverne, Fergus Falls. So I encourage people to... Hastings. In Hastings as well, oh. yes. So I encourage people to check that um, Minnesota Careers website and Veterans Affairs uh, to do the drop down to really see what some of those opportunities are. So all the listings are there, and, and I know that there are veterans uh, that work at the MDVA, and part of the reason they work there is it's an opportunity to help other veterans. It's a small community of veterans, and it's easy to get to meet another veteran because you've got something in common right now. It is. Um, for me, I'm around my people, right? I have that I have that similar lived experiences that those other veterans have, and it's really rewarding work to do day in and day out. Okay, and we haven't talked much, but uh, there is a new veteran cemetery coming. There's one up in Little Falls, there's one in Preston, and there's one up in Duluth, but there's a new one coming online very soon. Yes, in Redwood Falls, we're going to be having a new cemetery, so there'll be some great opportunities there. I, if you like to work outside, and it's a great community. So we'll be having some employment opportunities in, in that community as well. So you've got like 400 new jobs that you have to fill, and, and these homes are under construction now, and are they coming online next year? Yes, they'll be coming online next um, summer is the plan for most of them. Um, we, we have started actually putting some of the vacancies already out there for some of those senior leaders at the facilities so if folks are interested in those jobs, I, I would like them to keep a, keep a tab on the website. Also, if you visit our MDVA website, we have a section for new homes, and we have an opportunity if people want to join a subscriber list so that they can get updates on employment opportunities. The waiting list, and uh, I've seen the, the photos or the mock-up of the photos of those three new homes. They look like they're going to be beautiful, state-of-the-art facilities. They're unbelievable facilities. The communities, have the local communities, along with the state of Minnesota, have really invested in these facilities so that we're able to keep our veterans that live in outstate Minnesota around their family members. So what uh, types of jobs? It's from soup to nuts. You need cleaning people, you need cooks, you need nurses, you need accountants, you need just about anything, right? We really do. Um, when you're thinking about a... Um, our facilities and our nursing facilities. We need nurses, absolutely. We need um, rec therapy staff. You need food service staff, cleaning staff. Um, again, if you enjoy working outside, our grounds crew staff. So just a little bit of a little bit of everything. Um, that's why I'm encouraging people to just really keep um, looking at the website to see the opportunities opening between now and, you know, after next summer even. We'll, we'll be continuing to hire. Valerie, we did a show from the Minneapolis home a while back, and it was a really nice day. And all the veterans we talked to were really excited. They were, they were, out, they were going out for a picnic. They were doing a barbecue, and it looked like the nurses and the food service people, everybody was out there helping them on a really nice day, and it felt like family. It, it is. That's the environment that you'll be working in. We call them our veterans' homes for a reason. They really feel like home when you when you visit and when you work there. So I think we have really dedicated, invested employees, really innovative, that are just passionate about serving veterans. 
So we've got two things that you need. Number one is you need employees, paid employees at all those homes all over the state. And if they go to Minnesota Careers, they can find the website, look for that. But the commissioner's told me many times that he couldn't operate those homes without volunteers. Correct. We do need volunteers. So if you're currently living in one of those communities, and some of those communities, too, we even have people vacation, um, too. So if you're interested in volunteering, that's another way that you can give back to our veterans. So they go to the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs website, and and they can figure out how to volunteer and help out. And and you've got hundreds and hundreds of volunteers all over Minnesota. We do, and there's such an important role for MDVA. Valerie, you've got a big job to do. I hope you get a couple HR assistants soon and, and that you can hire and fill all of these positions uh, in the next, you've probably got four or five months to get it done. Thank you. We have just an amazing HR team, um, so I have no doubt we'll we'll be able to do it. Once again, for our listeners, Google Minnesota Careers. If you're looking for a paid position with the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, or go to the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs website to, to become a volunteer and be part, of, be part of those families that take care of our veterans here in Minnesota. Valerie, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It was Valerie Klitsky, the Human Resources Director for the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Joining me now is Greg Peterson, the former president of the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers and the current Brown County Veteran Service Officer. Greg, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom. It's always good to get back on with your show. Greg, we kind of celebrated recently the passage of the PACT Act, which is sometimes referred to as the burn pit legislation. Uh, have you seen uh, many claims coming in under that? Um, yeah, here in, in my county, we have uh, had about uh, half a dozen of them uh, from both uh, Asian Orange-related veterans uh, that have hypertension claims, uh, hypothyroidism claims, and then a few uh, burn pit-related claims. Um, and I even have one vet that was stationed in Guam that has a an Asian orange disease, diabetes, like you've talked about yourself having. Uh, but there's a big problem with the processing of these claims. I, I, every time we talk about the VA, it seems like we come up with a problem. What <laughs> is the big problem here, Greg? Well, you know, the PACT Act was passed on August 10th, uh, and in all outward-facing uh, publications, the VA encourages veterans to submit their claims immediately. In fact, I submitted a claim that same day, that afternoon, for a 45-year-old Iraq vet uh, with terminal lymphoma. And uh, CVSOs uh, and our, our other uh, veteran service organizations have the opportunity to watch the progress of those claims within the VA system. And we tracked it for about a month, and it said it was ready for decision, which means just that. Generally, the next, next day it gets decided uh, or adjudicated, as they like to say, but after a month of sitting in the ready for decision, I uh, queried a VA employee that I know, and then I was told by them that PACT Act claims would not be adjudicated or decided until January. In fact, I had three terminally ill PACT Act claimants. Two of them passed away last week. The Iraq veteran, a single father of five, I went to his funeral uh, last week on Wednesday. He's now buried at Fort Snelling without the VA deciding his claim. That's terrible. It seems Congress has got more work to do. They've got to fund this, and, of course, the VA is waiting till January to adjudicate or decide, as you say. What should someone who is terminally ill and has filed a claim do? Well, there's a couple things you can do. Obviously, the VA has a boss, 
and you should go to the VA's boss, and that would be either of our two senators or the congressman in which uh, district you live, and ask them to contact uh, the VA Secretary McDonough and authorize immediate adjudications. We've done that on two of our uh, claims, and they both came back with canned answers that said, unfortunately, the program's not funded until um, until January. Uh, you should also uh, talk to your county veteran service officers. We can try and work other avenues uh, to get things done. So, Greg, what happens when the veteran dies before the adjudication or the decision is completed? Well, the general answer is when a claimant dies, the claim dies. Uh, and the retroactive dollars, which would have been so important in my Iraq guy, uh, aren't paid. But there is a special, little-known provision called substitution, and it allows a person, a spouse, or a dependent child over the age of 18, or a sole surviving patient, a parent, excuse me, to become the claimant through the application for substitution. Uh, this provision allows the VA to continue to work on the claim and pay, pay the total retroactive amount due to the substituted claimant. Sounds more difficult than should be. Greg, we're out of time. Uh, how does someone find out more information on the PAC Act? Contact your county veteran service officer. You can find them at www.macbso.org. Greg, keep up the good work taking care of our veterans out in Brown County. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you. That was Greg Peterson, the Brown County Veteran Service Officer on Minnesota Military Radio. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Chaplain Captain Ricky Camel and Chaplain Colonel Buddy Wynn, Valerie Klitsky, Greg Peterson, Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers, Commissioner Larry Herkey, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. I'd like to thank Doug Wortham for stopping in to help with the show today. And please join us next week when we celebrate the anniversary of the Armed Forces Service Center and meet the new American Legion commander. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.